With the offseason nearing its end, many teams are still trying to finalize their rosters. With star players still getting signed, we take a look at this upcoming fantasy football season with Brandon and Justin's tips and tricks to help you secure the championship this year. All that and more now on Beyond the Blitz. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, ladies and gentlemen, and will you please take a step back to the Beyond section, because I am Brandon, and I am back. It was a one-week hiatus, and of course, as always, I'm joined by fellow Blitz crew member Justin Rogers, and it's time to go beyond the Blitz of football to the fantasy realm. But of course, as always, up first, we have our NFL headliners. What's going around the league today? Let's find out. This was the week of re-signings as many teams are still trying to finalize their rosters. The two best tight ends in the game, Chiefs Travis Kelsey and 49ers George Kittle, have signed their contracts, tying them with their teams for years to come. Packers nose tackle Kenny Clark, as well as Bills left tackle Deion Dawkins, also got their extensions. So teams are securing their star athletes for the future. Yeah, and this is a good thing, especially for the Chiefs and the 49ers. Now, I know George Kittle got the better end of the deal, getting more money over time. But the Chiefs, the fact that they are securing their star players now, especially with that huge deal with Pat Mahomes and that pretty big deal for Chris Jones and now getting Travis Kelsey, they are slowly but surely showing us that they can be a Patriots-type dynasty for at least the next five years because they're locking up their best players. So kudos for the Chiefs and that management for getting these contracts done. And as far as the 49ers go, George Kittle is the best player on their offense right now. Jimmy Garoppolo is getting there, but George Kittle, he is explosive. He can get the ball. We're going to talk about this a little bit later for fantasy as far as tight ends go. But he and Travis Kelsey are changing the game for tight ends, and they deserve the money that they got. For the Packers, their defense transformed their team last year, and Kenny Clark was the reason, part of the reason for that. Obviously, they got Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith on the edges, but you got to have that interior rush to stop the run and the passing game. So, good one right there. And then you have, for the Bills, your quarterback for at least the next three or four years. Hopefully, lock him up, get him there for the next 10 years. And now you got your left tackle at least for the next five or six years to protect his blind side. Deion Dawkins has been pretty decent for the Bills and left tackle. It's hard to get a really good left tackle, so you might as well lock him up for good. I think all of these deals were worth it and good for every single team. Speaking of the Bills, this is a team that made a lot of leeway a year ago. And they look like they're going to be serious competitors again this season, as they have locked up head coach Sean McDermott with a six-year extension. He has a winning record, but only by two games. He's 25-23 and 23 over his last three seasons, and he's coming off of a very impressive 10-6 and six season. This is a team that is moving in the right direction. Do you think Sean McDermott has what it takes to get them across that finish line? I think Sean McDermott has the opportunity to be the AFC East champions for at least the next two or three years because you have so much talent on that defense. It can't be wasted. The offense is really the only thing holding them back, and I think they have found a dynamic quarterback to run that offense. 
The running backs are starting to get there with Devin Singletary. And now you got your number one wide receiver and Stephon Diggs. He is set up to be the really good coach that they need for the next couple of years and to really succeed there in Buffalo. And it's awesome just to see that the Buffalo Bills have enough confidence in Sean McDermott to give him a six-year extension. That's crazy because he's only been 25 and 23. But however, two of those three seasons, he's gone to the playoffs with the Bills and the Bills mind you, had a very, very, very long playoff gap. And so we've never seen a coach for the Bills do as well as he's done. It makes a whole lot of sense why they're giving them this six-year deal, hoping that it pans out for the Bills. Yeah, I'm very excited to watch the Bills this season. They're definitely one of my most anticipated teams coming into this year, especially with the Patriots rosters diminishing because of the COVID opt-outs. They have a free shot at the division title, and I do think that they have what it takes to potentially go deep into the playoffs. And I think Sean McDermott is a big reason why the Bills have rebuilt so successfully. Great head coach, great guy, and I'm excited to see what the Bills can do. Some free agents have also been signed this week as well. Former Vikings star defensive end Everson Griffin signed a contract with the Dallas Cowboys. What a signing that is. Former Texans running back Lamar Miller signed with the Patriots in light of Sony Michelle opting out of the season. And of course, wide receivers J.J. Nelson and Tavon Austin both signed with the 49ers this week. 49ers receiving squad that continues to impress. And Graham Gano still kicking around. This time he's with the New York Giants. How much will some of these signings impact the teams as well as their playoff chances? I think for the Cowboys, this defensive line is just a lot of veteran talent. You have Gerald McCoy, Dontari Poe, and now you have Everson Griffin. I think all three of those guys have a lot in the tank. And this defensive line for the Cowboys, this front four, especially with Demarcus Lawrence right there too, you just have so much talent that it's going to be a miracle for me not to see them win the NFC East. I know that's a lot. I mean, we said last year it's going to be a miracle for them not to win it, and then the Eagles won it. But the NFC East is always crazy. But just with the signings that the Cowboys are making and the draft that they had, it's just so hard for me not to see them make the playoffs and at least get a top three seed because they have all the talent in the world. Now it's just for us to see, can Mike McCarthy bring all that talent together and allow it to gel? With the running back situation in New England, I mean, you have now Lamar Miller there, and we've seen Bill Belichick just do so much especially with free agent running backs. We saw him do it with Deion Lewis. I don't think Lamar Miller is going to quite have that pass catcher role that a lot of the running backs that they brought in previously have had. I think he's going to maybe not be that workhorse running back, but when he comes in the game, you know that he's most likely going to get the ball. And they need a running back like that, especially with Sonny Michelle possibly not being there for the Patriots. So good signing there. I think that he increases their playoff chances, but just by a little bit. And then for the 49ers, I mean, Manuel Sanders left. They couldn't re-sign him. They don't have a whole lot of talent there, at least experienced talent, besides maybe Debo Samuel, who's only coming off of one season in the NFL. So you got guys that are speedsters as well. I mean, these are some of the faster receivers in the NFL. So do we kind of see what kind of offense Kyle Shanahan wants to run with the San Francisco 49ers? I mean, they ran a lot of run-heavy offense in the playoffs last year. Are we going to see sort of a shift because of these signings of J.J. Nelson and Tavon Austin? We could see more of a pass-heavy offense because of these signings. And then Graham Gano, man, he's just one of my favorite kickers. And, you know, with Aldrich Grossos getting in trouble with the law and everything and him being released from the Giants, Aldrich Grossos 
Bosas was looking like he was going to become a top five kicker consistently in the NFL. Then that happened. The Giants had a gap there. And thank goodness the Panthers already had a pretty decent kicker in Carolina. So Graham Gano became a free agent and the Giants just had the opportunity to sign a pretty decent veteran. As far as playoff chances for the Giants, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but it's always good to have a good, steady veteran kicker who can kick the long ball like Graham Gano can. I love this Everson Griffin signing by the Cowboys. I see no excuses for this team this season, and we've said this before and I'll say it again. All eyes are on Dak Prescott. If he cannot lead this team deep into the playoffs, he cannot stay a Cowboy because they have all the pieces they need to succeed. And Everson Griffin is still a top caliber, potentially elite pass rusher, and he is going to excel with this Dallas Cowboys front seven, and I'm excited to watch it. But can we just for a second talk about why Jadavion Clowney is still unsigned? I mean, he is perhaps undoubtedly one of the best defensive ends in the NFL. I know he's asking for a lot of money, but eventually he's got to come down on his asking price, and some team is going to snag him. Uh, Where do you see him fitting in in all of this? I think it's just interesting that Everson Griffin, who's up there in age, has been signed before Jadavion Clowney. Like you said, a lot has to do with the asking price, but we're seeing teams like the Cleveland Browns who have a decent amount of money dropping out of this. Could we possibly see a team like, I don't know, the Washington football team who has a lot of cap? who, you know, maybe he wouldn't want to go there because of everything that's going on. But I could see a team like that that just has a lot of cap, maybe doesn't have the playoff chances that a lot of these teams have. But at least him going somewhere where he knows he's going to thrive and be able to be the edge rusher he knows he's going to be and also get the money that he deserves. But if he wants to be with a team that's going to make the playoffs, he's going to have to lower his asking price, especially if – you know, possibly going back to the Seahawks. I know that if they do that, then Jamal Adams, you know, him getting his big contract, that might become less of a possibility. But again, like I said, if he wants to go to a playoff team, he's going to have to lower his asking price. This is what I see for Jadavion Clowney's future. He doesn't get signed by season start. We're looking at like week five, maybe week six, until a Super Bowl contender takes a chance on him, signs him on the one-year deal, so he plays out one season with this team, and then he potentially helps a certain team succeed in the Super Bowl, maybe even make a couple of sacks in the big game, go all the way with the team, not get re-signed by them, and then it's the consistent Jadavion Clowney cycle. Where's he going to go? Who's he going to be a playmaker for again? Nobody seems to want to take a long-term chance on this kid, but these short-term successes that he can help other teams make is going to be his legacy. I don't see him being a franchise defensive end for anybody at this point, simply because of his asking price. So sign him on your one-year contract, pay it off quickly, and help him succeed your team while he can, and then see what else he can do with someone else. I think that is going to be Jadavion Clowney's legacy. But, you know, we'll see. Maybe someone, hopefully someone, takes a chance on the All-Star. If there is one team that is going to take a chance on him in the middle of the season, it's going to be the New Orleans Saints because they're one player away always of that playoff chance of continuing to win playoff games and get that Super Bowl for Drew Brees. I could definitely see the New Orleans Saints taking a chance at Jadavion Clowney during the season. Yeah, definitely. I could also see a team like Seattle. Jadavion needs to be in Seattle. Why not go back to Seattle? You know, they could always use a little bit more help up front. And I'll tell you, Justin, it's not looking good for college football, man. As many big conferences have canceled their seasons. We have the MAC. We have Power 5 conferences such as the Big Ten and the Pac-12, as well as a couple of big FCS schools 
such as NDSU canceling their season. So what does this mean for all of college football as a whole, and what does it mean for the draft next year? Well, right now, the ACC, the Big 12, and the SEC have all said that they are going to play. So a lot of the big-name players for the draft, they are going to play this season. It, it's just weird what it's going to look like in the history books because a lot, a lot of these big teams, we're talking about Michigan, Ohio State is not going to play this season. That is insane to think about. So we think about that, and just as a footnote, this is just going to be a really weird footnote when it comes to the college football history because a lot of these big teams aren't playing. But, I mean, for a lot of these players, for the SEC, ACC, and the Big 12, it's time for a lot of these juniors and seniors. They can show out now because there's a lot of these other Big 10 and Pac-12 players that are not going to be playing. So they have a big opportunity as far as the NFL draft goes. And as far as the timing of the NFL draft, we could possibly see, because of college football season could be moved to the spring, we could possibly see a lot of the offseason things be moved, according to Ian Rappaport. And this, in my opinion, includes free agency. It also includes scouting, the NFL Combine, and possibly the date of the NFL draft. So the 2021 season is going to definitely be impacted for the NFL by the decision that a lot of these college football schools are making. And also a lot of these college football players, I mean, we see some of the bigger stars like Justin Fields for Ohio State. They want to play and they want to show off the talent that they have, but they're not able to do that because a lot of these schools are making these decisions. And it's good to think about that they are really thinking about the well-being of these students because they're not just football players. They are students first there, but also like you just really got away. Like, is it worth playing an entire season or should we just let these kids play? Let these students play. I think that this could, or at least this should lead to the revival of open tryouts for teams. I can see many NFL teams holding massive open tryouts to let in all of these college players who either didn't play in the season, opted out, or maybe we have some backups who, you know, got a lot of playing time. They weren't originally starters, and since they didn't get enough time to prove themselves, their draft stock isn't high one. They really should be. I think there is a lot of potential in reestablishing big, wide, open trials for NFL teams. There could be a lot of hidden talent out there that NFL scouts have just been missing. I think this is something the NFL should really look at because college football – is one of the best parts about America. You know, I mean, it's just awesome to sit down on a Saturday night and watch some college football. And this year we might not get that, man. And that's going to really suck. And at least we'll get some NFL. Hopefully we get a full season out of it. This could affect next season as well. COVID might be completely gone by then. Hopefully it is. But, you know, these players didn't get the chance to succeed. So why not look at the potential of holding massive, and I mean massive, open tryouts, kind of like an NFL combine, but for each individual team separately for some of these local players to really shine. And now, Justin, it's time to move on to what these folks came here today. We are going to open up. Chapter 8 of the Fantasy Football Playbook Beyond the Blitz edition, and we are going to shoot you three tips and tricks each on how to succeed in this year's fantasy football. And I want to talk a little bit about quarterbacks and tight ends, because these are two positions that many people think very differently on. A lot of people think quarterbacks, best players, highest scoring players, get them as soon as you possibly can. 
And in a sense, you might be right. If that quarterback's name is Patrick Mahomes, yes. I don't think any other starting quarterbacks in the NFL are worthy of being gone in the first round because there are so many top-caliber quarterbacks in the NFL. Like Any given week, they could get you 30-plus points in fantasy. You can't say that about a running back. You can't say that about a receiver, but you can say that about a quarterback because any given week, they can go off. I like to wait until about the fourth, particularly fifth round to get a quarterback because you can still get a top 10 quarterback that is just going off. If you listen to a quarterback rankings, there are a lot of really good quarterbacks in the NFL. There's no reason to waste an early draft pick on a quarterback. And tight ends, man, that's another one. There are only two elite tight ends in the NFL. We have George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. That's it. There are a lot of good tight ends, but only two elite tight ends that will consistently get you 20-plus points a week. And the tight end position could be the difference between winning and losing your championship because tight ends is a position that's so overlooked in fantasy. People don't seem to think about it to get one and let them sit on their team for the rest of the year. That's simply not the way it should be. If you can get George Kittle and Travis Kelsey in the first three rounds, get them because the third tight end compared to these two is not going to be anywhere near because these two are on a whole different level. You have to prioritize which positions have the best players and how many of them are there. You got to get running backs and receivers flex positions as early and often as possible because there's so many of them in the league. And again, there's only a few really, really top caliber ones, but you need more of them on your roster. There's only two good tight ends. I like getting tight end in the third round if possible if Travis Kelsey's on the board. Yeah, you were talking about quarterbacks and getting one possibly in the fourth or the fifth round. Dude, I don't even get quarterbacks till the seventh or even the eighth round because I can still see value in getting back-to-back quarterbacks in those two rounds that can still start for me and still be quality starters. And it all depends on who you're drafting with too. If you have a league that thinks unlike we do, and just drafts quarterback upon quarterback, you might need to pull the trigger a little bit earlier, especially if you're going through your rankings before the draft starts and there's one quarterback that you really, really want, but now he's the top quarterback on the board because you're in an eight-person league and you're the only team in the first four rounds or first three rounds that hasn't drafted a quarterback for whatever reason. So it just all depends on who you're drafting with as well. So for me, as far as quarterbacks go, I usually try to wait because – And I'll talk about this um, for my first point, but I think that skill position players are the most valuable. So I'm talking about running backs, wide receivers, and then like you said, George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. I'm going to include them in skill position players because they are just unlike any other tight ends. They are just changing the definition of what a tight end is. And especially for fantasy, if they are there, like you said, Brandon, in the first three rounds, I'm going to go after them. But as far as skill position players go, usually first round, I try to get a running back no matter what. However, if there is a wide receiver like maybe Michael Thomas or DeAndre Hopkins and you're a lower first round pick, because usually most drafts are snake drafts, you'll be able to get a pretty decent running back in your next pick. So say if it's like a 10-person league and you have the ninth pick in the draft, a lot of the pretty decent running backs are gone. Get a receiver, and then you can get a running back. Again, you'll have the ninth pick, so then you will have the 12th pick in the next round. So you can wait on a running back. So it all depends. But usually for the first at least five or six picks, I either get a running back or a wide receiver or one of those two big tight ends. I usually try not to go for 
a quarterback usually, and again, it just all depends on the leagues. Most of the leagues that I've been in with the people that I know, they draft the way I do and they don't get quarterbacks super early. So then I know, okay, I don't have to draft a quarterback early because nobody else is. And also, again, like I said, you need to just know the people who you're drafting with too. I mean, I've been in a fantasy league for five years, so I know most of the people who I'm drafting with. So I know most of them aren't going to draft a tight end the first couple of rounds. So that means I shouldn't have to unless maybe it's the third or the fourth round and Kelsey or Kittle's there, that's when I go after him. So for me, you just have to value position players, especially dual threat running backs that can both receive and run the ball. That's why Christian McCaffrey is the best fantasy player out there because he got a thousand yards rushing and receiving last year. Yeah, man. And that's another really big point, man. You have to know who you're drafting with. Knowing the players in your league is huge. Paying attention to who they're drafting is huge. Because that tells you, you know, what they're prioritizing and therefore what you should prioritize. It's all about beating them to what they want. You got to throw people off their game by picking up the players that they really want. And my next point here goes along with knowing who's in your lead. And the biggest part of that is identifying the weakest competitor in your lead. The person who doesn't know as much. Take advantage of that, man. Don't feel bad about it. Get them to accept simply unfair trades. To stack your team with as many first-round players as physically possible. Take advantage of them. I remember there was a fantasy season one time where I ended up having the highest-growing team in the league that year, where I had Larry Fitzgerald on my team, and then the weakest competitor in my league had Julio Jones. Well, guess what I did? I convinced him to accept that trade. I got Julio for Larry Fitz, and if you know, I mean, Julio's going to do a lot more for you in fantasy than Larry. There was also another season where I got Patrick Mahomes in trade of Carson Wentz. And that's when Mahomes' MVP season came about because the person who traded him to me was so sure Mahomes was going to fall off and Carson Wentz got injured the very next week. So taking advantage of other players' stupid mistakes is the number one key to winning. And like you said with the Mahomes thing that you knew he was going to have a good season, sometimes it has to do with gut feeling as far as trades go and drafting players. Like I know when I usually make my board – I usually see a player and I'm like, I have a good feeling that this player is going to do well. And if you like a player enough, you might as well want to trade for them and depending on what you're going to give up for them. But as far as, you know, looking at the weakest person in your league and trading with them, I'm not a huge fan of that. I don't like taking advantage of people when it comes to that kind of stuff. I know, like, I want to make my team the best, but I also want to do the best for them as well. That's just who I am as a person. Um, you know, winning a fantasy league is important, but again, it just all depends on who's in my league too. Like if I know like a cousin that's in my league, I'm not going to do that. But if it's like people that I don't know at all, it's probably a better chance that I might do that. But again, that is one way that you can definitely stack your team with good players. Man, I played no holds barred. I'm out here. You know, I got to take advantage of these players. You can't feel bad for them, man. Go for it. And my second tip that I have for you guys, I'm going to talk about rookies real quick. There are two different spectrums that you can come with rookies. One is that they don't have a lot of experience. So it's hard to really evaluate rookies on how they're really going to do. However, for me, there's another perspective that you can take. It's that, are they high on the depth chart? Are they a number one running back on that team and you know they're going to get carries? Are they a number one or number two wide receiver on that team and you know they're going to get targets? If I know that, I am willing to spend a high-ish draft pick on them. A couple of examples for this. 
one year, I spent a first-round pick on Saquon Barkley, and he was a rookie. But I think that's just a whole nother different beast in general because Saquon was just amazing coming out of college, a top-three pick in the NFL draft. So picking him in the first round wasn't that big of a deal. But then last year, I picked Josh Jacobs in the second round because I just knew he was going to have a good season. If a running back is picked in the first round of the NFL draft, they are most likely going to have a really good season because they're picking the first round, they're going to get carries. That's why I'm willing to spend a top four round pick on Clyde Edwards-Elair this season, mainly because Damian Williams opted out for the Kansas City Chiefs. As far as receivers go, it just depends on who their quarterback is and what kind of system they're in. I will definitely spend a top 10 round pick on a guy like Justin Jefferson. We were talking about this earlier before we started recording. You think, and I think too, that he's going to be one of the best receivers as far as rookies go this season because he's the number two on that team. And you got guys like C.D. Lamb. You got guys like Jerry Judy who were drafted in the first round for a reason. And I am willing to spend possibly a top 10 or a top 12 round pick on them because I know they're going to get touches. Another thing I want to add to this as well is don't be afraid to pick players who have had really good season maybe one or two years ago, but have gotten injured the past season or two. Look at Dalvin Cook. He was drafted very, very low in almost all my fantasy leagues last year, and he was a boom. Sometimes they're busts, but a lot of the times they can be booms as well and really help your teams out. Also, and we saw this with a lot of players in the couple past years. We saw this with Zeke last year with whether he was going to be suspended or not. We saw this with Kareem Hunt with him only playing eight games last year. Do not be afraid in the lower rounds of your draft or even if it's a really good player like Zeke who's suspended, do not be afraid to draft them in the draft because then you can just put them on the bench for a couple of weeks and then when they come back they're a stud for your team and they're going to get you to the playoffs so don't be afraid to do that whether they're injured or whether they're suspended and my last and final tip for you guys and i cannot stress this enough check your league each and every day and i don't mean just your roster who's injured i mean your league check your other team's rosters check free agency check the waivers Check the transactions people have been making. Check the trades that may have been declined in the past from other teams. Check all of it because you never know what you might miss. I can't tell you how many people just get on once a week on Thursday morning to check their lineup, you know, make sure no one's injured, and that's it. That's all they do with it. That's not going to win you a championship. Making moves is going to win you a championship. Going through the waivers and looking at what players who are stepping in for, I don't know, someone injured. Last year, I picked up Latavius Murray in the absence of Alvin Kamara, and this dude got me 30-plus points, and he, nobody had him on his team because I picked him up because I saw he was there because I checked. Checking these kind of things, checking who's injured on other people's teams and who that player's backup is, is huge. Checking which players have started to prove themselves and getting more touches. Like last year, Terry McLaurin, as the season went on, he started putting up some pretty good numbers. So checking those people, we were talking about rookies a second ago, Justin. Rookies is a huge thing when it comes down to the late of the year because so many rookies go undrafted, and they stay that way throughout the entire season because people don't check on it. Check on what players are really starting to shine because they can really benefit you heading into the playoffs. Yeah, and you were talking about checking and checking for what players are there as far as injuries and stuff go. Another kind of checking tip that I have for everyone is look at matchups. Matchups matter so much in fantasy football. You could draft a defense in the second to last round, and you could get to the playoffs 
just by looking at matchups for your defenses. You could go every single week just picking a defense who's playing a really bad offense, like basically any defense that's playing the Jets this season, because in my opinion, their offense isn't the best because they just lost a lot. But just picking defenses that are playing really bad matchups as far as who they're playing on offense. And the same can be said for most offensive players too. If they are playing a really weak defense, pick that quarterback, pick that running back, especially if it's a running back that has a pretty decent offensive line. It just all depends every single week because you could have one player that has one really good game the entire season based on the matchup. You pick him up, start him that week, and he gets you 25 points, and that's all he does for your team, and then that's it. But then that gets you the win that week, which gives you one more win in the win column, and then which gets you to the playoffs because you have one more win than everybody else does because you started that one player that had a really good matchup. So continue to look at matchups and you can do this for trades too. You can look at a guy who had a really good matchup the week before, put up 30 points, but you know he has a crappy matchup the next four weeks. Trade him away for a guy that you know who's going to have really good matchups the next four or five weeks. So you can do this for trades and you can do this for waiver wires throughout the season. Yeah, man, I don't remember the last time I started the same defense throughout the whole season. I am consistently switching defenses out. Look at who the worst offense is in the league. Find them every single week. And you know what? Don't be afraid to trade for the defense who's playing against this worst offense. The number 32 offense almost every single time is a guaranteed double-digit points on the defense you start against them. Because the bad offenses are bad for a reason. It's because of turnovers, and that's what gets you points in fantasy. Like last year, starting a defense against Tampa Bay, even though they scored a whole bunch of points, Jameis Winston threw an interception every single game. That's going to get you points no matter what. So identifying who's playing who is almost more important than the actual talent of the team that you have. The number one defense isn't always going to have the highest scoring for you. Sometimes it's going to be the defense playing against the worst offense. So that's a really good point, Justin. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to our fantasy football playbook. And you may be wondering why we were doing this. Well, we have our own Beyond the Blitz Fantasy League that we are going to be updating you with every single week going into the season. Our league will consist of six former guests that were on our show. And it is going to be a very interesting season. And we will continue to update you throughout the year with our fantasy football editions. In the coming weeks, we will do fantasy episodes about sleepers and who may be overrated in fantasy. So we will continue to help some of you out to succeed in this fantasy season. And the Beyond the Blitz Fantasy League is going to be lit. And thank you all very much for listening. And stay purple, because this has been Beyond the Blitz.